Hi, this is Roland Smith. Welcome to the Forge American Missional Podcast. This is the interview edition. Uh, this week, I'm really excited to bring to you a conversation with Christiana Rice. Um, Christiana is a missional practitioner, an author, and a trainer. Uh, she is part of the Parish Collective uh, tribe and has done coaching and training and speaking on incarnational missional practice in the neighborhood uh, for a long time. Christiana and her family live in San Diego where they uh, have made a place in a neighborhood and uh, live out ministry to their neighbors. And so we were really excited to be able to get her on the podcast and I look forward to you hearing this. So let's join this conversation that I got to have with Christiana Rice. Hey, it is great to welcome uh, Christiana Rice onto the Forge America Missional uh, podcast and glad you're joining us. Um, we are actually Facebook friends. We have a lot of the same pals and friends in kind of the missional yes. world. Um, we both are Fuller MAGL grads. Um, I don't know. There's probably, we're both friends with Mike Frost and we've never met. They're like this is the first time we've talked to each other. And this is a virtual meeting. And it's a virtual <laughs> meeting. And so um, and so this is like our first sit down at a table and just to kind of meet and talk and stuff. And we're just going to let the rest of the world listen in. Mm. So mm. that's, is it okay? Yes. Welcome okay. to those, to those <laughs> yeah. who are listening. Welcome. I know. Yeah. So it's great. It is, it's great to uh, finally meet you and I've, I've admired Beautiful. your work. And, um, and of course our tribe and our network um, know your name from uh, a book that you wrote with Mike um, like three or four years ago to alter mm -hmm. your world. Um, it's kind of in our forge library. And uh, so a lot of people have read that and know you from that. Um, but you're deeply connected in kind of a, um, a parallel tribe to forge uh, and do a lot of missional work and training and incarnational neighborhood work. And so um, I'm really excited to talk to you about that and just kind of get your perspective on things. So, Thank you, Roland. Me too. Excited to talk with you. Yeah. Well, um, Maybe because I need to get to, to know you a little bit. This is what I would do mm -hmm. if we sat down for coffee, if we saw each other at Expo or something like that. Mm -hmm. I would say, uh, so tell me a little bit about your kind of church journey and like what what got you from into incarnational neighborhood presence type thinking? You know, what what's your journey into that? Yeah, you know, uh, I would my answer to that question has shifted. I maybe, maybe better put has deepened over the last few years as I've deepened and even become more convicted around my practice in the neighborhood because I grew up actually as a missionary kid in a, uh, first on a Southern Island in Japan and then up in the big city of Tokyo. And Tokyo is a big city of many micro neighborhoods. Uh, and so I recently, actually this last summer, before the pandemic, we were in Japan and I saw uh, these maps of that, that are these old, they seem ancient um, maps that are kind of at the very, uh, you know, an, a key intersection in every neighborhood in Tokyo. And these are just small, no big deal, 
seemingly insignificant little neighborhoods and here's this map and a name of the neighborhood and I realized I grew up in a place that um, honors the locale, the, the, the land, the geography from which you, in, from out of which you were raised and grown by, and, and grown up by the community. So I grew up in a very communal neighborhood focused, uh, uh, you know, group oriented culture that raised the children from the land up. So that was kind of my, my beginnings of what I care about, which would be that God inhabits places and inhabits really micro places. And I grew up in a missionary community. And then my path kind of took me to this place of really wondering about what does this mean for the church that is inhabiting places and even the, the very particularities of our neighborhoods. So I kind of skipped over a huge, huge part of my uh my own, I guess, more professional development, but I, I like recently, I've really been returning to imagining myself as a little girl in these neighborhoods where I was raised in these communities and where the church to me was something that was more about a relational web of care and love and Jesus-centered values than it was sort of a place of attendance. Um, so I'm trying to, I'm, I'm learning more and more about that these days, and I think, um, Remembering my story has been a key part of uncovering perhaps what God is um, doing into the future. Yeah. Do you, so do you think that your, your inclination to, um, you know, like smaller neighborhood uh, missional life um, comes from being raised in a culture that honors that? Like, do you think you might've been on a different path if you've grown, if you had grown up in America? Yeah, I wonder. I wonder about that. I remember when I did move to the U.S. in when I was 18, and I remember, first of all, being very overwhelmed by two things. One was going into a grocery store and the amount, the, the, the sheer, uh, you know, amount of options, like the variety <laughs> and the options and the sizes, yeah. you know, like a yeah. ketchup bottle was like, four times as big as the ketchup bottles that we could buy when, where we were. Um, So the grocery stores were kind of an, I was enamored and also a bit overwhelmed, but also the churches, there were, there was such variety. Many of them were quite, you know, just the fact that they had a structure big enough to fit more than 50 people was a, a, I, I, I was enamored and overwhelmed by that. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do remember some culture shock when it had to do with, you know, how dominant a Christian kind of, uh, you know, presence was where in the culture I grew up in, it certainly, um, certainly wasn't. And, um, and then, and then also I, I think a lot about, um, you know, there wasn't as much differentiation. You know, you were in, you, you were where you were from. You were connected to the community. You weren't, you know, who you were in your everyday life. So, so maybe I would just point out that I'm not really, yes, I have a bias toward micro and small and, and locale and local, but I don't, I think I care. I, my passion is more around the integration of our lives and that, whether you attend or shop at Costco or shop at the local market, you know, whether you attend a large gathering or you, you know, or you 
or you worship in the in your living room, I think the the driving question always is around integration and faithfulness and how are we actually living out the the dream of the mission of God to heal and redeem and restore all things in the everyday of our lives. And I think if you frame it in that way, it doesn't make one thing wrong and another thing right. Yeah, but sure. You know, it's just kind of calling into all, it's showing the root system of all the things, you know. So I do think certainly, although like I said in the beginning, I've more so been excavating these thoughts and these, uh, you know, through my story and my, my cultural upbringing mm-hmm. into some of the things that I, I really care about today. Yeah. So my, maybe the bullseye, I mean, the bullseye for me is... Um, it's always kind of, maybe it's the word incarnation, mm. you know, it's, it's kind of in the flesh. So if you can yes, do in yes. the flesh in a large format, I mean, I'm recording right now from a church of a thousand, yep. uh, but we launch, we operate as a hub for smaller gatherings. So whether you can do in the flesh in a large building or in the flesh in a house church yes. or a missional business model or whatever it is, maybe that's the target is can you be incarnational um, in that? So, well, that's, that's great. Um, And you speak Japanese? I do. Yes. That's, that's really, yeah, that's cool. All right. That's great. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So everyone's learning all these things about you like me. So, um, so what, all right. So we're in the midst of COVID. This is obviously kind of, um, it's rattled, institutional frameworks that haven't thought about incarnation or um, being more of a presence, you know? Um, And so what, what's grabbing your attention as kind of a incarnational and missional thinker during these times? I mean, what, what's the stuff that's been floating to the surface out of COVID and, and not just that, but the political disruptions, the racial disruptions, all of those things. Like, um, where where are you kind of thinking these days? Yeah, you know, I'll, that's that's a great question. I so many things. <clears throat> I mean, this is the great disruption, right? It's yeah. also the great pause. It's also great sorrow, and uh, we we lament the losses deeply, and we also look toward the opportunities and maybe the reset, you know, um, for me, and I'm going to just thread this to what you said around incarnation in the flesh. I think one of the opportunities that's been very both animating, convicting, inspiring has been when we think of in the flesh, that, that means it's an embodied way of life, Right, so how are we, we? We still can live an embodied way of life as the church. Nothing should prevent us from doing that. And right now, there's a major thrust toward, and very understandably, right? There are understandable realities right now. We mu- we have to, we all have to contend with 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 regard to our our virtual realities, right? Mm-hmm. You know. And there's a gift to that. Our call here, we're yeah, not in person, sure. but we're on a Zoom call and we're, you know, we can see each other, but it's virtual. Um, I think of the dimensions, though, that are missed here, you, you know. And mm-hmm. so so I think one of the main opportunities for the church is, um, is to examine 
and and I mean that actually in a very liturgical, intentional, uh, rhythmic way, examine the way in which we are in being, we are embodied as the church. Mm-hmm. Um, we are in the flesh as the church. If the church is a people, um, not just, not a location, mm-hmm. but the church is a people, how are we embodied? And so then that brings me to my street, my neighbors. I can still social distance love. I can still even social distance worship. Uh, you know, and actually I mean even the word worship in a holistic sense. Mm-hmm. I can be among the trees. I can sing out a song to God. I can find ways, embodied ways. Um, But it's requiring all of us to be a little more creative, a little more, um, maybe you can hear the the airplanes or my kids singing, uh, playing. I was wondering what that sound was. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For all of those those listening, those are the sounds of my neighborhood. They are (laughs) sacred sounds. They are sacred sounds, but they are worth yeah. noting. Yeah, sure. um, yeah, so I that's that's what I'm exploring a lot. And I think then if you play that out, you know, being the church is not just about gathering for worship, sure. worship service. So how do we embody in a worship service? No, it's also about how are we being with our children? How are we educating our children? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are we being a good neighbor? How are we... Um, how are we in an embodied way um, present in the places that we call home in the places and and I and and that is contextualized for all of us but is that not the invitation of Jesus is that love would be seen felt heard love can be touchable in creative ways and uh, and even tasted you know mm-hmm. we can sure. we can share meals mm-hmm. um, we can give we can give gifts we can receive. So these are all very human, sacred ways that we can be the church in this moment. Yeah. I, one of the things that I find really interesting is that pre-COVID, um, you know, in Forge and in other networks, probably in Parish Collective as well, you spend a lot of time even talking to church leaders um, or people that are deeply interested in how do I follow Christ, um, trying to explain a more holistic um lifestyle. So, you know, you, you, you give them the table as a tool, you know, to be the church or you, you explain a bigger view of worship like you just did or eating, you know, or, or joining your neighbors in the park for something Mm -hmm. is this display of the gospel or the kingdom as well. And so you're teaching these things, uh, trying to get a paradigm shift to kind of happen before they experience it. Now what I'm finding out is that people have experienced things and you just get to point to them and just say, see, that's exactly what we're talking about. And so, I mean, I was talking with a guy um, on a Zoom call and we were talking about starting a house uh, gathering at his church and or at his house. And uh, he was talking about how he had gotten started cooking hot dogs during COVID for his neighbors. And all of a sudden he had 30 neighbors eating hot dogs. And I, and I just like had to applaud and say, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. You know, that is it. That's uh, yes. the common meal. And um, that can point toward even an audible um, talking about the kingdom at some point, mm. you know. So, I, you know, I don't know if you've experienced that too, but it's, it, you know, it seems like this disruption, it is a, a grieving period. Um, like for us in our big church community, mm-hmm. but 
it also is this huge uh, opportunity mm. where we're being forced to learn lessons, you know, mm. of, of disbursement, you know, of being dispersed. Yes, true. Um, wow, that's a good point. I mean, I have to trust that some of the things that are, that, that are suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's a collective suffering right now, whether I've heard many people, and I'll just, I don't want to over-categorize, but people in a degree of privilege, you know, say how much they love this time of COVID lockdown because they're just enjoying, you know, time at home. And, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, to be honored, right? But there, it is a collective grief that there are people suffering all around the world, as well as across the street, deeply because of this this horrible pandemic. Yeah, sure. um, so it's a in this in this great reckoning, um, we can have hope that the that character is being produced in us um, as we live faithfully into this. But it will call into question so many things for us, our relationships, our view of, of the presence, our understanding of the presence of God, our definition of the church. What is the church? I mean, and this is now months and months ago, right? Now we're yeah. right into month. What is this? Six? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Seven, eight, nine. What are we? Um, but but uh, I remember how instantaneously the seven church buildings in my neighborhood suddenly were empty completely empty and how I felt, you know, I, I watched it happen, shutting the doors, sorry, you know, signs. And suddenly these empty buildings are just sitting in this neighborhood. And I felt this, this grief and this almost shock of, but where, you know, where's the church? And yet, because my practice has been being the church also in my, here in my neighborhood, you, we, we wonder, we, we have to wonder afresh God has not left this neighborhood. The church is here. In fact, sure. you, we, my brother, my sister, my neighbor, we have opportunity to embody a new a way of being the church um, that perhaps, and I like that you're saying it, it's this sort of almost forced dispersion. But I think it's, it's really, I'm really curious now, and I'm part of developing um, these learning communities that help us actually learn together because it's a new learning. I mean, for most of us, even those of us who have lived incredibly intentionally missional lives, but they've been in lives of service and lives of giving and generosity and hospitality, still this is disruptive for some of us that was never in our neighborhood. Or right, it, it's right. meant I can't go to that place or that soup kitchen or I can't go help that those people. Or my neighbor actually came across the street the other day and she's a in her mid-70s. She's a faithful follower of Jesus, practices so much justice and, and, and generosity. And she was lamenting how the things that she has, that has given her life and service have been so limited now. And she doesn't know how to give. And so we were brainstorming. She was like, well, I could tutor your kids. And I was like, wonderful. Yes. <laughs> Let's see how we can figure that out. You know, a, yeah, I could use yeah. a social distance math tutor. Um, so, you know, I think this relearning 
which also means we have to unlearn some stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I say, thanks be to God that the, the path forward is, is led by the spirit who has never, who has not left. Some of the empty buildings are empty. The church buildings may be empty in your neighborhood, but, the, mm -hmm. but God is here and God is inviting the church, I think, in a sense to grow up from the, from the ground up, or perhaps another metaphor, which you know I'm impassioned toward, um, what the, the, the great question, what is God birthing mm -hmm. in this place and how do we attend yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. In this time, it, well, I have no right to even talk about birth. <laughs> yes, all my wife, can. my <laughs> wife does, but, but, you know, if for, for a lot of, uh, you know, pastors and, and mm. leaders in the kingdom, um, you know, it feels like birthing something, not just mid midwifing, mm -hmm. but like it, mm -hmm. it is painful right now. And I, I talk to many, many pastors that are just, what do I do? How do I do this? I mean, I, this is stuff they know, but has yes. never been, you know, really practiced maybe. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, going out and shooting oh, a basketball for the first time, you haven't shot enough hoops to really, to really do it well. And I, and I even feel that because I'm, you know, and as a, as a teacher of missional practice, you know, to mm -hmm. a lot, in a lot of environments, I don't practice all of those all the time. And so to get inundated, all of a sudden you're, you kind of feel, um, well, uh, uh, Frosty posted a thing on being liturgically impoverished, you know? And so you feel like, oh my gosh, I, you know, my, my file drawer isn't deep enough with wow. prayers and liturgies and practices and things like this to kind of equip people. So anyway, it's a, Yes. It is a really, really interesting time. Um, mm -hmm. So, so I'd love to pick your brain practically um, at mm -hmm. just coming off of that discussion uh, because you are a deeply neighborhood thinker. I know that from mm -hmm. just kind of listening to you and reading some of your stuff. Um, so talk about some rhythms and practices. Like if you were just mm -hmm. talking to, um, you know, yep. a, a pastor of a church of 75 or a house church that's trying to figure out how to continue to have community or just your neighbors. I mean, what, what are practices you're doing? What are the kinds of things that you would point people toward mm -hmm. in this time where we're kind of separated, you know, from the larger church or it feels that way? Yes. Yes. Um, and let me just say one quick note on how you started that uh, that lead up to the question yeah. of um, I think what's helpful about this metaphor of God birthing is that and the pain we feel that the pain we feel is alongside God and and the reason I I feel even as we Mike and I drew out from from the biblical uh, narrative and metaphors and identifications of God of I pant and I groan and I am doing, I am birthing something new is that the, the pain and the heartache and the compassion and the devotion and love of God is even greater than what we feel. 
And so when you release that and you're able to say, God is birthing something and I feel this alongside God, but it's not up to me to birth it. It is up to me to faithfully attend, to faithfully companion, to faithfully act on behalf of. So one of the metaphors, one of the aspects of this metaphor, and that's why I use the metaphor of a midwife or attendant in birth, Mm -hmm. is that you, you... you look at the environment and you say, okay, so this place or this neighborhood or this context, uh, and that can even be within your workplace. What are the things that are conducive that actually nurture a, a birthing environment? And what are the things that hinder? So those are the things like safety. Those are the things like deep care. Like, do people feel heard and listened to? Is, do they have friends? Can, you know, is this a place of integrity or are they, or is somebody coming in with an agenda and going to kind of, that's the, those are the things that steal life, you know? So similarly, I think some really simple practices come out of values, right? Or or even out of values drawn from metaphor. So I, I often will look at this neighborhood as a birthplace of God, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, hey, well, listen, all of our parks are closed down. How can you be, you know, missionally engaged at a park meeting other parents and children when your parks are closed down? Yeah. God, that's painful. I don't know what to do. And, I, and now I can't even get my kids together with other kids because they can't touch each other. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's that where you suddenly, you know, that's actually, if you can picture again, that's like preventing, at least from our view, it's preventing, you know, what it's, it's not conducive for the, for the mission of God. So you pause and either you get debilitated or you find creative ways. So there have been a lot of, um, you know, I've, I'm seeing a lot of examples of communities who are, well, first of all, the, one of the great tasks is to find the find the loners, find those who are alone. You'll find that in times like these, certain you know people are pe- there are lots of people who are connected, and then there are the ones who are isolated and lonely. And how do you find them? So those, that's kind of a big challenge that we've been up against because it is easy. I've, I've I feel like hurt feelings are kind of on the rise, yeah. you know, um, and so. Some of that I have found within um, the the gift of some of these social networks. People saying, I've seen neighborhood boards, chat boards, starting neighborhood signs, neighborhood, you know, and all of it you have to be always careful and always, you know, wise. Um, But allowing people a space to express their needs. So there've been lots of creative things, people putting flyers saying, Hey, if you have a need and it could be a need that's unseen because you're just behind your doors and you, and for whatever reason you don't have a community or you don't have, or you somehow feel unable to ask for help. Mm -hmm. So finding out what are the needs, but, but, but that assumes that you first know the assets. So I think it's important. One of the things that we've also done, and um, you know, I'll even just say, uh, we, we, my community and my net, my broader network of uh, of church Jesus followers, um, not only here in the neighborhood, but also in the broader in, in our broader city here, we're really great at coming together around crises. 
So that's a gift. That's an asset. And it's not just us. It's also uh, the broad, the ways we're linked and networked with other kinds of entities and businesses and um, the other nonprofits. We've always been where we've cultivated the kind of network that comes together during a crisis. Well, now right. what do we do, right? So right. we've created ways to stay connected and networked across needs. And that also is virtual, but also within the virtual, we've then come together and found ways to, um, to disperse, you know, share the load with meals. Mm-hmm. Um, we've learned from each other through storytelling. So we've, we've, we've created, We've had places for people to submit stories. We learn best Mm. through stories. So these are kind of the broader things of, you know, hey, send in a story and it needs to be very tangible, very accessible. We love the micro stories. Mm -hmm. We're we're too often given stories that are these big programmatic things that only a small fraction of people can replicate. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, oh, you're right. I could... I could put a sign up in front of my house. I could sure. do. A, I could start a little garden co-op and create a. I, I could do a little corner food bank. Yeah. I mean, our corner food bank is like thriving, and oh, it was just great. because we heard of an idea from another neighborhood. You know, just yeah. little simple things, and those things matter. Um, but the other aspect would be, uh, you know, we were already gathering in small groups. We were we were gathering in. In a, in a lot of different ways, whether for meals or for wider, you know, citywide gatherings. Um, but we took a big pause and now we're finding ways to even to be together around. Um, I love the, the, again, the liturgy of creating new liturgies, writing new prayers, but social distance and according to the needs of the community. So we have some very immunocompromised folks and for them, we wear masks, we sit more than six feet apart, but we have a space because we have a park or we have one yard among all the homes. Yeah. Lots of people are in apartments, but we have a yard and yeah. that's an asset, so we use that. And then if someone can't come, we zoom them in. We've done a variety of those things. And so, but part of that too is communication, the tensions. I mean, I know whoever is listening, you're probably going to be saying a big amen, but the tensions are rising just from the symbolism of the mask. Mm -hmm. And so, but we have to ask ourselves the questions as followers of Jesus, you know, are we willing to let love transcend these differences? And sometimes we do things uh, for the sake of others, you know, or hopefully most of what we do is for the sake of others. But to love your neighbor as yourself means you, you allow these these differences to be secondary to the love that you want to exhibit um, among you. So, sorry, that was just kind of a few things off the top of my head. Yeah, no, that's great. Do y'all? Do you guys have the uh, the next door network? Like on? We do. Yep, we do. I, I have found that to be f- fascinating. We love yes. next door. We use yes. it. Um, yeah, well, I live downtown, and and a lot of people grow their own food, or they have chickens yep. and that kind of stuff. And you see stuff on there all the time, like you know. Uh, just pick a bunch of zucchini, yes. come by and get it. It's sitting in the front yard, you know, yes. <laughs> or just, uh, just things thing. like that. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome. We, we also had a, uh, a couple um, that actually live on, and I'm not making this up. They live on Corona street, which is a block <laughs> down from me and That's pull, great. pull their car out and they pulled their car out in the middle of the street, opened all the doors, oh, got yeah. with a radio station and they would, bl- they would have a dance party every Friday night at six o'clock. 
And so all, everyone would come out in the street and just dance and it's just blasting on all the cars. So there's all kinds of, of fun, you know, kind of innovative stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, yes. And, and yet I also think, um, I mean, we too, over the months, you know, we've experimented with some front, front porch fashion shows and, you know, (laughs) but, and all the drive-by parties and, you know, some, one of our friends graduated from a spiritual formation degree and we all showed up and stood along the sidewalks and, Mm -hmm. you know, even just shouted out words of affirmation. We've done moments of, of, of grief, deep grief and prayer over some really horrible terminal illness news, news and, and, and doing that in spaces, using the outdoors. I think this invitation of us to be more outdoors. But here's the catch. We're all even getting a little weary of these ideas. Like once you've done four, five, 10, 15 drive-by birthday parties, <laughs> they are getting old. Yeah. Like my yeah. kids are so done with drive-by birthday parties. Yeah. They don't even want to go to them. They're just like, can we just like send them a gift card or something? Because it's yeah. in some ways for them, and I would have to agree, it it's becoming, our, we're be, we, we feel we know how deprived we are of, mm-hmm. of human touch or of, of the things that were normal or the ways we could naturally, you know. So I think it's, it's this long suffering starting to kick in. And Sandy, this doesn't really apply for San Diego because our weather is pretty much nice and perfect all year <laughs> long. Yeah. But for the rest of you, um, I am very aware that as the weather changes, I've been actually yeah. – crying out to God for this as the weather changes and you have to be indoors more and more illnesses or sicknesses or colds or, you know, and, and, uh, and just as this gets longer and longer and so many of our children are educated behind screens for hours and hours, I mean, there, it's going to require us to stay. The question is, will we stay in this? Will we keep attending? Will we keep telling stories and listening to stories and iterating? And when something doesn't work mm-hmm. or it worked one time, it was so fun when we did that dance party and then we tried it the next week and everybody was kind of over it. Are we then going to just scrap the whole thing or are we going to try something new? And when things, or when you get bored of something, like what are the faithful, consistent things? Another thing that we've done is um, a neighborhood prayer rhythm over Zoom just twice a week mm-hmm. in the mornings. We started, actually friends of mine before COVID started this thing called Fellowship of the Greater Golden Hill, which is our kind of wider yeah. neighborhood area. And um, they started this as just people who, love Jesus and love this neighborhood. So maybe they attended lots of different worshiping communities, but we all live here and we love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Fellowship of the greater Golden Hill. And people <laughs> will post needs, but also we post our prayer. We pray together every twice a week and we come together around, you know, we'll, we'll share what we're seeing needs in the neighborhood. You know, we try, we're kind of an organizing function. And so that has been really life giving, but I also will say it can also get a little. Yeah long (laughs) you know and and so we we have to ask questions around faithfulness around long suffering and around uh will we stay and 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 um and proactively speak out there are people across the country across the world in fact that's another gift is that this is like solidarity all around the world for whom we can learn from and even with the parish collective that's one of the things that we i think it's one of the things we 
we contribute is storytelling and connecting with people, connecting people across places who can, whom we can learn, learn from and learn with, um, mm. through, through the little stories. Sure. So, Man, those are great thoughts. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I had not thought of that, but I mean, here in Colorado Springs, mm-hmm. we have great weather during the summer. It's beautiful. Um, but yeah, we get a hundred inches of snow a year. Yeah. And that is coming. And so that all the outdoor restaurant uh, seating and all yes. that kind of stuff is going to go away. And it's a, it could be a real problem, not just for people's emotions, but for small businesses and um, all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's, that's great thinking. Well, um, Christiana, thanks for your time and your thoughts and your wisdom. Uh, really, really appreciate that. And it's great to get to know you. And yes. so we've gotten over our first conversation <laughs> and, and now we can just say hi you know, when we see each other, yes. maybe well, when we see awkward. each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. In a, in a couple years, maybe. Yeah. At the, some conference hopefully sooner, way, hopefully way, sooner. way down the road. Hey, do you have, <laughs> so do you have any uh, like projects coming up? Are you doing any, are you active in like training and, and curating conversations yep. right now you know, that people could get hold of you? How could they sure. do that? Um, well, parishcollective.org, but we, um, we just finished our annual conference called Inhabit Conference. It's the Inhabit Conference. And um, normally it's held, it's in person in Seattle, Washington. But um, this year, and I kind of, you know, I, I'm the producer of the event and I kind of went forward with it a little bit grumpy because I love being in person with people. And I'm like, no, I don't want to put, I, I never took this job to put on a virtual conference. And so we've tried really hard to just have the stories lead the way to somehow find ways to, for people to be embodied, practice some, doing some embodied practices to engage and, and really implement what they're learning toward their their own local context and um, it ended up being really a beautiful gathering and the feedback was was deeply encouraging so I think we're gonna sounds like we figured out something good so the next one of those won't be until February it's called the cultivate gathering so that's that's down the road but do keep an eye out for these larger gatherings and who knows maybe in February will be some kind of a hybrid people can gather in their own locations and then come together for a Part of the virtual aspect, but we do have uh, regional learning communities. Um, again, that's just parish collective learning communities, and um, these are uh, they they kind of vary in length of time. But the most the goal of it is that you are gathering at this in this case virtually with mm-hmm. people within your region who are asking asking similar questions about what it means to be the church in the everyday life of our neighborhoods. Um, and to me, that's more relevant now than. Perhaps it's ever been sure. um, as far as learning together. Uh, so we can, people can start them. And of course, we help facilitate these. We have a really beautiful, diverse team of teachers who've been at this for years and years as mm-hmm. practitioners. Um, we can, you, they can be started or you can join an existing one. So we do have some that are more national, but our hope is to keep them as local and regional as possible so and that they, those relationships can continue. Yeah. And these aren't just like church planters. I mean, you could be an existing church that you want to kind of, kind of shift into more of a parish mindset, right? Yes. It, it, any, any point of your 
church's journey, or even yeah. you as an individual. We have people who've joined these learning communities who are who are social entrepreneurs, business, local neighborhood business owners who love Jesus and are deeply involved with the life of the church in that place, but want to continue to learn what is it, where, what's my place in all of this. So I would say maybe the driving motivation for people who are joining join these would be maybe not unlike the the theme of our fellowship of the greater golden hill but um people who love you know who love jesus and want to want to participate in the mission of god in their neighborhoods and so that that often can mean a variety of people although majority of folks that do end up joining have some form of church uh leadership yeah yeah, yeah. all right are you writing anything are you working on something Ooh. Uh, I have a couple things in the. I'm not going to make you rafters, pitch them right now. In but, the yeah. rafters. Okay. All right. Well, it's a good time to write. You have a lot of time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. actually, I was just thinking. I, I do write a lot of little articles, but my, uh, I really am intrigued right now with um, how, what is the church outdoors or kind of, you know, yeah. people have written on this like rewilding the church, but engaging, you know, what? How does the church, you know be more connected with nature and how that's actually teaching us more about the ecology of being the people of God. Oh, than, you than, should, you should hit yeah. up Sean Gladding, man. He's like Ooh, the master uh, gardener. I and do love Sean would, Gladding. Yeah, he would Shout be great. Plus, plus he talks cool. So, you know, that's a big great <laughs> I hope he listens. Time with him. Yeah. I hope he listens. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, uh, I so appreciate the time and uh, just want you to know that, that Forge uh, appreciates Parish Collective and appreciates you and oh, thanks, uh, just all the work the work you're doing for the kingdom and we love um, just hearing from other people and what they're doing mm-hmm. and so you spending you know I don't know how long we've been on 45 minutes with us and just sharing your heart mm-hmm. means a lot and uh, we look forward to kind of continuing conversations with you in the future. Thank you. Well, peace to you, Roland, and to the whole Forge community. May God bless us all with new and fresh imagination for this unusual future. Yeah. And yet God is still with us. Yeah, it's a great prayer. Thank you. Thanks. Well, thanks for spending the time. Yeah. Okay. Uh Hope to see you at some point. Okay. Bye.